Thank you, Brother B. Thank our praise team, our choir. Thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. I want to share a message this morning titled Love It. Uh, let us remember and renew. The Lord's Supper, let us remember and renew. And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 26. And while you're locating today's scripture, I just want to take a moment to, to thank Mike Norton for filling the pulpit for me last Sunday while Judy and I uh, were uh, out of town. Mike and Gina Norton are assets to any church, and personally I'm happy that they're back here for a while here at Mountain View, and so continue to pray for them. And also want to thank Kyle, Kyle Taylor, for keeping things kind of moving on on the platform. And also in the audio and audio slash visual room back there, we have such a great team back there. We have those operating the sound and the screens for the worship center. And while they're doing that, we have a couple, two or three that are behind the wall there doing the cameras and making sure YouTube is online and Facebook is is uh, um, online and the sound for those are different from the sound out here. So a lot going on back there and I appreciate all of those that work back there trying to keep everything going while we're in here. And also I want to thank you for, for your presence at church uh, last week. Uh, Judy and I, we had an opportunity to watch service and so we enjoyed the service. I uh, just hope Terry Wilburn gets a little better answering questions, but other than that, no, it worked out great. And so it was a, it was a great service, and, and uh, thank you for being here, especially on a holiday. And that day was special to us. That was our anniversary. And so we celebrated 52 years on New Year's, and so I thank the Lord for that. And, uh, but thank you for being here. That says so much uh, for you and your love for the Lord and your love for your church and your love for God to, come on a holiday and, and be at church and worship him. You know, Moses went away from his people for a while, uh, just a couple of days or so, and went up to the mountain to meet with God and to receive the law, and he came back, and, well, you know the rest of the story. And so I appreciate you and being here last Sunday. So thank you for the love you have for the Lord. Thank you for the love you have for God. Thank you for the love you have for your church. And thank you for the love that you have for your pastor. Judy and I are celebrating today 45 years being here at Mountain View. And God's been good to us. And, and uh, there's, there's no way that I would be here today if I didn't have the Holy Spirit's assurance, first of all, that God called me to preach. And he called me to be a pastor and a teacher. And then uh, uh, God placed me in this church. And... I feel like he did that because he knew that the people that would be here over the years would be people who would follow the leadership of a pastor and would be willing to be discipled and be willing to love each other and to love people and to share the gospel and would be willing at times to step out, uh, step out in faith and be used of God to do things that others thought that were impossible to do. This church would 
step up and it has in the past and do those things that some people would think would be impossible to do. So I want to thank you, uh, Mountain View Baptist Church, for being just a strong church. And you've been that way for over 100 years now. And I know God still has a lot of plans for us here. Well, now with all that said, uh, I think God wants to drive home a couple of points from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you would, just remain seated and look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we want to look at verse, a familiar passage, verse 23 through 26. <clears throat> God's word says, For I received from the Lord that which also delivered to you. Paul said through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Well, in verse 23 and 24, after Jesus explained the purpose of the bread, he just simply says, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. And then down in verse 25, after he explained the cup, which was symbolic of the new covenant, the New Testament, he said basically the same thing. Do this in remembrance of me. And so the question is, what in particular does Jesus want us to remember about him? What does he want us about him? Two, twice he said in those verses, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So what in particular does he want us to remember about him? Does he want us to remember that he's the creator of all things? Does he want us to remember that he was virgin born? Does he want us to remember that he had the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead? Does he want us to remember that he had the ability, the power to forgive sin? All of those things are important, but that's not the context of the scripture. The context is none of that. The context is, I'm going to give my body for you, and I'm going to give my blood for you, so do this in remembrance of what I'm going to do for you, and not only for you, but for the world. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer God's penalty for the sins of the world, for your sins, my sins, the sins of the entire world. And so before you can ever be saved... You have to recognize that we're sinners. We needed a Savior. We're sinners and we're headed for judgment. And uh, you can't save yourself. Only God's mercy, only through His grace. You know, Luke chapter 2, the great announcement to the shepherds by the angels, the message and the good message was this. Be not afraid, for unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born. So we needed a Savior. So God sent His Savior. He sent His Son, Jesus, to be our Savior. So the point is, you can have hope today. You can have assurance today for the forgiveness of sin, for the assurance of a home in heaven, because Christ came to die for your sins and for my sins. And so remember that, He says. Remember that. 
Remember that I'm giving my body and I'm giving my blood for you, for you to have eternal life for the payment of your sins. I'm the sacrifice for your sins. I'm taking your place on the cross, the cross where you should be. I'm going to hang there, and all the sins of the world are going to be placed upon me. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, and all the sin of the world was placed upon Jesus. So what did he had to do? He had to die. wasn't his sins. They were not his sins. They were our sins. And so let's remember, first of all, the crucifixion. Remember, if you're taking notes and outline, remember the crucifixion, the body and the blood. And remember, we're sinners by nature. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. And then third, we cannot save ourselves. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works. Least anyone should boast. So fourth, Christ died on the cross for our sins. Romans 5 8 puts it this way, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we need to remember that, the crucifixion, sinners by nature, cannot save ourselves. Christ died on the cross for our sins. So let's remember that. Let's remember also salvation comes, first of all, by repenting of sins. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, this time of ignorance, God overlooked, but God commands men everywhere to repent. So everyone's asked to repent, to turn. Repentance means to turn. It means to do an about phase. You're walking away from God. Suddenly you realize it's not taking you in the direction that you want to go, which is to heaven, to have eternal life. And only through Christ you can have that in your life, and you stop and you make a turn. That's repentance, and you turn from your sin, and you turn to Christ. And as you turn to Christ, you're putting your faith, you're putting your trust in him for your salvation. So it comes from repenting and then placing our faith in Jesus and believing the gospel. The gospel's found, it's simple, it's found in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read verses 1 through 4. This is the gospel, the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you what? The gospel. So this is the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you're saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I received. Now here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. That's the gospel. Now, if you add anything to that, you've watered down the gospel. If you've added anything to that, you've weakened the gospel. You've added to the gospel. And there shouldn't be any other gospel preached except this gospel. And so it's real simple. So we're saved by repenting, placing our faith in the Lord Jesus, believing the gospel, and then calling on him to save us. The Bible is very, very clear on that in Romans 10, verse 13. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we, we have the gospel, and we call out to God to forgive us, come into our life and save us. We believe with all of our heart the gospel that he came, he died, he was buried, he arose again. One day he's coming back. And you believe that, not cognitively only, but in your heart, 
And the Bible says that you're saved. Now, let's remember that. But let's remember something else. Let's remember number two. Let's remember his return. He says, remember, you know, there in our text, he says, uh, uh, continue to continue to, to do the Lord's Supper, to take participate in the Lord's Supper until I come. Until I come. You know, one day, we won't be taking the Lord's Supper anymore. Uh, we'll be having a wedding feast in heaven. But until he comes, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And so let's remember, let's remember his return. Uh, John 14, a uh, familiar passage of Scripture. You hear it oftentimes at funerals. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Remember, he's coming back. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. Heaven's a place. It's not an imagination. It's not a figure of thought. It's, it's a place. It's as real as Phil Camel, Alabama, Russellville, wherever. It's a place we're going to. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way, the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So if you're going to heaven, you've got to go by Jesus. There's no other way. He's the only way. He's the only way. He's the Hadas. He's the road to God. He's the road to heaven. So we have to remember, he's coming again. We need to prepare for that coming. And then if you would, look at uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Listen to verse 13. Christ says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Where are they now? They're in heaven. Their spirit's in heaven. And when he comes back for us, he's bringing our loved ones with him. It's right here in verse 14. Verse 15, for if we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means present, prevent, proceed, I'm sorry, those who are asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord, comfort one another with these words. Isn't that great comfort? Knowing that this cemetery, one day our loved ones out here, if he comes back today, we won't prevent them from going first, and they're going to go first, then we're going to follow behind them. And even Paul thought that the time was real near. He says uh, he thought he was going to be alive when the Lord when the Lord came back, but, but he went on to be with the Lord. There's, there's only two ways you can go to heaven. You have to die to get there, or the Lord comes back after us. And so we'll go to heaven in either way. We're not in a bad situation. We're going to heaven even through death, or we're going to heaven by the rapture, by the snatching away of the church. So the next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture. It's the calling away, the snatching away of the church. And that could happen any minute. So let us remember, and let us remember his return, and let us reflect 
Third, fourth point, let us, uh, third point, let us reflect on our love and our obedience. I thought we needed to do that today, just to reflect just a moment about our love and our obedience to God. Let me ask you a question. I just want you to ponder this question. Just think about it for a moment. Do you love God this morning? Now, I know what we, want, we all want to say. Yeah, Brother Sammy, I love God. Do you, do you really love God? First of all, God has created us and called us into a love relationship with himself. He's called us into this love relationship. He's called us to be on mission with him. He called us to be on mission with him. And this mission, to be on mission, to accomplish this mission of reaching a lost world to him is impossible without him. But the Bible says that everything is possible with him. And so he's with us. And so without God, the mission's impossible. However, with God, all things are possible. But to be honest, we often forsake or we leave our relationship with the Lord. I've done that. Have you ever done that? Maybe you're at that place right now where your relationship is not as close to the Lord as it once was. And for whatever reason, you just kind of walked away from the Lord. And it's not going to get any better because it's progressive. You get farther and farther and farther and farther away from the Lord. Then you begin to think, well, am I really saved? You know, have I ever trusted Christ? And you begin to doubt your salvation. So oftentimes we leave our relationship with the Lord. And the B part of that, at times we depart from God. And, and let me say this, moving away from God has nothing to do with activity. Moving away has to do with this radical shift in a person's heart. So if you've moved away from God, that's not something, it's not because of something you've done, but it's because your heart has shifted from him. And your heart has shifted to something else or to someone else. And so there's a progression, a progression of a heart shift from God. And you have to be careful because this progression continues. We allow, first, we allow our hearts to turn away. You know, Deuteronomy 30, verse 17 says, If your heart turns away that you do not hear, and you're drawn away, and you worship other gods and serve other gods, he says he's, that, that disappoints God, and he'll deal with us when our heart turns from him. And so we'll, it's progressive. We allow our hearts to turn away. We disobey God. And third, we turn to substitutes for God, and we worship other gods. But it all begins in the heart. It's not about activities, but it's a heart shift. And our heart's not where it needs to be with the Lord. So the point is, Jesus said that, that it's, it's, it's spiritually impossible to love God and not obey God. You know, the Bible says it this way. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And so if you really love God, you've really loved the Lord, we're going to be obedient to God. Love always obeys. And God says today that if you're having a difficult time obeying me, well, it's because you, have, uh, you, you, you don't love me. So if you're having a hard time obeying God, uh, it's because you just don't love God. And a sure sign that you have drifted away from God is when other voices or other people have more influence in your life than God does. Then you've walked away from God. So do you love God this morning? Are you close to God? 
Are you being influenced? Has your heart shifted? Well, then you've drifted away from God. So let's remember his crucifixion. We're all sinners. We can't save ourselves. Christ died on the cross for our sins. Salvation comes from repenting and believing the gospel and, and receiving the gospel as a free gift, calling on him to come into our life and save us. And then let's remember he's going to return real soon. Then let's reflect on our, our love and our obedience. And now we come to the invitation. Said all that to say this, where's your heart at this morning? We're fixing to partake of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord gives us special instructions on, on how we need to do that. And the Corinthian church was, the Corinthian church was having a, a problem. And they were still taking the Lord's Supper and they were taking it unworthily. Listen what God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Just listen. <clears throat> Therefore... Whoever eats this bread, drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So it sounds pretty serious that we need to have our hearts right this morning with God and with each other. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. He said, listen, because of the way you partake of the Lord's Supper, many of you are sick, many of you are weak, and some of you have even died because you have not taken the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. And so we see this as a very serious thing. For if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. So here's an opportunity this morning for us to partake of the Lord's Supper and then judge ourselves, to examine ourselves and say, Lord, is my heart right with you? Is things right with me and you? And if not, I want to get that right. Are they right with other people? I want to get that right before I partake of the Lord's Supper. He says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. And so we judge ourselves, or if we refuse to do that, the Lord judges us and chastens us where we won't be condemned with the world. And so to be without chastisement, discipline from God, we judge ourselves this morning before we partake of the Lord's Supper. And so we need to prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. So let's reflect on our love and our obedience to God, and let's prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper. So how do we do that? First of all, let me ask you a couple of questions. If you have, as a believer, now the Lord's Supper is for those who put their faith and trust in Christ. As a believer this morning, have you drifted from Christ? Before you partake of the Lord's Supper, you need to ask Christ to forgive you and come into a right relationship with him. Say, God, I have this unconfessed sin. I have this hidden sin. I need to get right with you because you tell us to remember you. And, Lord, for me to remember you, I have to get right with you. I do, Lord. Partake of this supper. I need to be honest with you. And I see this unconfessed sin in my life, and I ask you to forgive me. He says this. He said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. He's speaking to Christians when he says that. And so seek his forgiveness in whatever sin that you have in your life and come back to him 
before you partake of the Lord's Supper. And so uh, today you either fall under your judgment, remember that, you fall under your judgment, or uh, you fall under his judgment, and you don't want to go the way uh, of his judgment. So let's reflect, let's repent, and then let's participate this morning. This morning we're going to have our praise team to come and, and lead our invitation hymn. And as they come, this is a time for us to prepare for the Lord's Supper. And so if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, let me encourage you to come this morning. Let me encourage you to 